I was born in 1959, and uh, it was about six months ago, I was just kind of thinking and contemplating and praying about uh, the past, the present, and the future, and life, and recognized that if I would have been born uh, about seven or eight, nine years earlier, I probably would have uh, been in the service. I didn't uh, serve in any particular branch, and if you really think about it, um, it's hard for people my age, 42, to fully understand, okay, do the math, to fully appreciate what that must have been like, born in a time where you were either drafted or you were enlisted or you were to put your life on the line for the country. And so, you know, uh, many of you know I'm, I'm a feeler, very emotional kind of guy, and um uh, I just, I don't know that I can fully, I want to more fully appreciate um, those that were born in a time when um, sometimes they didn't have the choice. They were drafted and they needed to go and serve. And uh, a million, where's where's Jim Keaton? Is he still in here? Jim, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, uh, again, we're all unique. We all have our own place to play and our own responsibility in life, but uh, many of you know, Jim just got through serving. Um, he was the president of the 101st Airborne in the United States of America. Uh, that's no small uh, elected issue. And um, how many people in their lifetime get to go and put uh, the wreath on the tomb of the unknown soldier? And so uh, I get emotional. Whenever I see Jim, I, I really appreciate him, that God gave him a platform, and he was willing to take that responsibility on. And bring honor to uh, to those that have sacrificed their life. And so, Jim, Linda, thanks for uh, your last couple of years. You've been busy trying to let go of your uh, business and, and travel around the country and even the world uh, when you went to Bastogne and other places to serve uh, and represent uh, the military. And so, thank you for that. Uh, I've entitled the message today, The Power of Peace. The Power of Peace. Let's pray. Father, I just pray you prepare a heart. God, we live in a busy world, fast-paced world with lots of distractions, lots of challenges, maybe lots of hopes and lots of disappointments. And we thank you that we have the sturdiness and the solidness and the sacredness of your word that we can look into and look to, to sober us, encourage us, challenge us, empower us, transform us so that our lives are not filled with vanity, but our lives are filled with impact and purpose. And so I just pray as we open up your word today that you would touch every heart, every mind, apply your word as it's needed and you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever experienced a severe conflict with another human being? Three hands go up. No, just kidding. I know that has to sound like just a really silly question to start out a message because the reality is, or the possibility or probability is, that during your lifetime, there's a 100% chance you're going to have a severe conflict with another human being. It's just reality. 
And when I asked you that, did someone or someones come to mind? And that someone or those someones, it could have been this morning on the way to church. Or it might have happened many, many years back. You've had a severe conflict with another human being. And did that conflict result in distrust, disunity, or division? See, the nature of conflict means there's going to be negative results. And so oftentimes in that conflict, there becomes a distrust. There becomes a disunity and there becomes a division. And the question today is, have you resolved or reconciled that conflict? Or is it still a part of your life? Now, I know some of you are going, now that's a pretty touchy subject. I'd like you to stay away from that that, uh, tiptoeing into my life, Pastor Jeff. And let's just talk about others and Memorial Day and, and the good things the Bible has to say. But my friends, it's very important for us to ask and answer important questions. And so when you think of that conflict or those conflicts, have you reconciled them? Are they resolved in your life or have you carried them along and dragged them along as burdens in your life? See, the power of peace is a priority in our lives and our relationships in our world. Because many of you know that this can be a pretty tough old place with Heartaches and difficulties and disappointments and challenges. And that's why it's so vitally important that we focus on and and tap into and utilize the power of peace. So I hope you I've kind of uh, stirred and starred your hearts to be thinking a little bit right now. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. If uh, you're a guest with us or you haven't been here in a while, we are doing a six-month study, started about six weeks ago, of the book of Ephesians. Uh, Many times I talk about relevant topics from the scriptures that apply to our lives, and then there's other chapters and seasons, as I've told you, that I believe God just really wants us to get in a particular book of the Bible. And uh, that's why we're looking at the book of Ephesians throughout the summer. And now we've come to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 22 today. And again, uh, the message is the power of peace. Ephesians 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, and having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The context of this text really has to do with 
the uh, enmity between Jews and Greeks. And some of you are really not interested in in uh, Old Testament history or some of those dynamics, and, and that's fine. You can do some research on your own. But the principles that are found in these verses are still applicable today. And so I have found seven Ps. I know that surprises all of you. In these particular verses that I think uh, create and reveal the power of peace. Again, if you're a guest or somebody uh, that uh, is new to connections, I'm always coming up with E's or P's to help you remember. So today, in the power of peace, there'll be seven P's. All right, are you ready? The first P is the person of peace. The person of peace. Do you see that in verse 14 right there? For he himself is our peace. Who is the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, if you look in verse 13, it's very clear that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The only adequate and sufficient divine person of peace is Jesus Christ. My friends, if you look for peace, God's peace, in any other place, in any other person, you're going to be extremely discouraged. The reality is we're looking in our world, we're looking to the political system, we're looking to someone else, we're looking to uh, higher education, we're looking to the, we're looking all these places for God's perfect peace. And I want to tell you, there's only one place you're going to ever find God's divine peace, and it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think we all kind of know that and we proclaim that, but the reality is, has it become practical? Does it become practical in our lives, in our world, in our relationships, when we're interacting at work, when we're interacting and watching the political system, when we're interacting with people at church? Friends, there is only one person that has ever been ordained that has the power to reveal to you God's peace, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's why, you know what, we talk about evangelism and lost people and people that are pre-believers and people haven't come to Christ. And, and, and are we going to share with them the Roman road of salvation or the four spiritual laws if you've been around for a uh, while? The reality is they cannot ever access true peace without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Gosh, if there's no other reason in this world, people don't have peace. There always seems stressed out or anxious or angry or divided or suffering or struggling with depression or, or unforgiveness. And they don't have any answers because there's only one answer for all of that. And it's perfect divine peace. And that's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. So the reality is you're out there in your workplace and goofing off and in your neighborhood and interacting with people. If, if they don't know the Lord, that's one of the key ways you just say, do you have peace? Oh, well, what, well, what do you mean? And then you can begin to describe. There's only one person, the person of peace. Number two, the purpose of peace. We looked at the person of peace. Now the purpose of peace is found there also in verse 14. It says, uh, and has made one, has broken down the middle wall of separation. The middle wall of separation. See, my friends, when you have conflict, severe conflict 
with God or another human being, you know what the natural outflow of that is? It's called a wall of separation. People begin to separate. The reality is unity and togetherness and trust fade away. And what happens is this wall of separation, this wall of protection is to guard you from future hurt or harm or challenge or disappointment. And we're living in a broken world where people have conflict with each other. And then there's the wall of division, wall of separation. And we make that wall as high as we can, and we make it as thick as we can. And the longer we don't deal with that wall, the higher it gets, the thicker it gets, and the more separation there is. And again, in my line of work, I'm always dealing with people, it seems like, that are in conflict. They have conflict with God. They have conflict with a husband or a wife. They have a conflict with a a parent or a child. They have a conflict with a boss or an employee. They have a, a conflict with a neighbor. They have conflict All over the place, we have these separations, these walls of separation. And they rob us of God's peace. He is peace, but we're just as disgruntled and upset sometimes in the church as lost people that don't know peace. It's normal and natural to allow walls of separation to occur. But I want to tell you today, God has a better plan. He's got a higher plan. He's got an eternal plan. And so I'm asking you today, is there any wall of separation? Any wall of protection that's in your life in regard to another human being? Again, you know, church is not just to come to make us feel good. Church is to help us deal with our reality so that we can be transformed and move on and grow on to become the best people we can become. And you know what? We don't like to squirm in church. Did you know that? Please don't make me squirm. I think that would be a great name of a church. We will not make you squirm. Gosh, it'd be full. But that's not what you need. That's not what I need. Is the reality is when we have conflict with people, we allow walls of separation to grow and to build. And so the purpose of peace is to break that down is to deal with it, is to solve it, is to heal it, is to reconcile it. So we have the purpose of the person of peace. We have the purpose of peace and we have the perspective of peace, the perspective of peace. You'll find it there in verse 15. It says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Now, listen, that is in the law of commandments. That's in the law of commandments. We're going to understand the perspective of peace. We have to understand the law of commandments. In the Old Testament, there was a great focus on what? The law. The Ten Commandments and rules. And it seemed for whatever reason that was such a major focus that when someone violated the law of commandments, it seemed only natural for God and for others to point that out and for there to be severe consequences for those errors and those mistakes. My friends, please listen to me when we're talking about the perspective of peace. I think we need to stop looking at each other and relating to one another out of the law of commandments. Uh, You don't know where I'm going there, do you? (laughs) Because you're going, what did he just say? The reality is 
oftentimes we look at each other through the law. You are to do what I want you to do, the way I want you to do it, the way, uh, when I want you to do it. And when you don't fit my law, my commandment, my Ten Commandments rules, then we go into judgment mode. I want you to know peace is focused on people, not on the law. Can I say that again? True divine peace is focused on people, not on the law. Thank you. Appreciate somebody said that. God loves and died for people, not for the law. And so you're saying, well, I'm not sure I understand where you're going. How many people don't come to church because they don't find peace? What they find is judgment. What they find is the law. You don't look like us. You don't talk like us. You don't walk like us. You don't act like us. You don't worship like us. And so we look through the eyes of law rather than through the eyes of grace. And that will never bring peace. How many of you want to go to a church and feel judged? But you know what? I've been in this thing a long time. I've talked to a whole lot of people and visited a lot of churches, even that I've pastored. Tell me a little bit about that. And they f- can feel judged. We're looking at them through the law, through the, the eyes of the law rather than the eyes of grace and peace. People want to feel accepted and belong, even when they make mistakes. I've seen people who were good church people who fell, fell prey to some type of uh, detour, uh, immorality, sin, error, and people separated from them emotionally and separated from them physically. My friends, that's not about God's peace. We need to stick in there with one another. I hope you guys are hearing me. I hope you're trying to hear what I'm trying to say. The perspective is peace. We don't look at each other through the law, but through relationship and grace and peace and forgiveness. So what about the pathway to peace? The pathway to peace. You're going to see it there. So it says, as to create himself one new man from the two. The the pathway to peace is a unity in essence, not in partnership and not in negotiation. Now, what do you mean by that, Jeff? Well, the reality is there's two entities. And you can find unity through these two They can touch each other, and in a sense, they are one, but they're still separate, right? And that's kind of sometimes how we have relationship. But the Bible is saying when God's trying to create a a mystical, mysterious peace, he doesn't want it to be out of negotiation and partnership. He wants the unity to be out of essence, that it actually becomes one. The Bible says when a, a man will leave, his mother and father, and will be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Yes, we know that in a sense there's a partnership and negotiation, but they're so enmeshed that God sees them as one. And what I'm concerned about in America today, we don't see or understand the mystery of the body of Christ. We are totally uniquely united in essence, not just in partnership. We belong to one another. We're Christians. We're members of the same household and family. And so when we see division because of severe conflict and we do not 
usher in or uh, uh, revolve around or yield to peace, we're showing to the world that we're no better than they are. We have nothing more than they are. How many of you have ever seen or been a part of a church split? Myself included is because the reality is we didn't fully understand that unity is an essence reality, not a partnership or negotiation. And we don't look through the eyes of commandment and judgment. We look through the eyes of forgiveness and understanding. And I'm not saying reality doesn't happen, but that's not God's best. And I'm not pointing the fingers at really anybody else, including myself. It's just a part of humanity. But God has a better plan. God wanted two to become one. He wants us to be one in here. He wants us to be one with other churches. He wants us to be one in the body of Christ, in in our area, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world. I think we miss the greater sense of the pathway to peace. It's really becoming one in essence, not just in our talk. How about the place of peace? Do you see it there in verse 16? That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Verse 16 makes it emphatically clear that the only sufficient and adequate place of real peace is the cross. The cross is the place of peace. Jesus united God and mankind through peace at the cross. No cross, no peace. No cross, no peace. The cross is a place of sacrifice and forgiveness. And the only time and place that you're going to find true peace is through sacrifice and forgiveness. Can't we take our conflicts to the cross? Why why don't husbands and wives take their conflicts to the cross? Why don't kids and parents and parents and kids take their conflict to the cross? Why didn't employees and employers take their conflict to the cross? It's the only place of peace. Why can't neighbors take their conflicts to the cross? Why can't church members take their conflicts to the cross? Why can't churches that are named by the same name, Jesus Christ, why can't we take our conflicts to the cross? There's only one place we're going to get it taken care of. It's at the cross. Again, it's not going to be legislated. It's not going to be from Washington. It's not going to be in NATO. It's not going to be in all the other places. There's one place that you can find truly God's peace, and it's at the cross. I think we need to elevate the cross. I think we need to talk more about the cross. I need to visit the cross a little bit more. What about you? It's about the cross. And you know what? I'm just as guilty. I listen to, I read periodicals, I watch stuff, I read books, I watch things online. You know what? You don't hear much about the cross anymore. Gosh, that's heartbreaking because it's the only place for peace. Aren't you ready? Aren't, aren't, you, aren't you like me? Aren't we ready to give up our petty arguments? And the foolishness of our flesh and the arrogance and pride of our lives. And I'm not preaching. I'm preaching at me. 
so that we can go to the cross and get our conflicts reconciled so that we can experience and then reveal a peace that the world needs but they don't know? Aren't you ready? I'm ready. Gosh, I don't want to live with all that silly stuff that I live with. The pursuit of peace. All of us know the reality exists that we pursue what we need and what we want. Are you pursuing peace? Are you pursuing peace with God? You know, uh, God and I uh, sometimes uh, are not always on the same page. If you just listen to me, if he would just understand my perspective and just do what I want him to do, then things would be fine. Good, bad, or indifferent. I try to be real. And, you know, I I hold some things against God. I know that sounds silly. It doesn't sound very spiritual. And you say, I don't know if I'm going to go to that church because the pastor holds some things against God. I realize through this is that sometimes there's not real peace because I'm not seeking peace with him. Because I'm hacked. Because I'm mad. Because I'm hurt. Because I'm disappointed. Because I don't understand why. And God says, I still want you to pursue me. Are you, are you pursuing peace with God? Or do you need to? Are you pursuing peace with other people? Especially those that maybe you don't like too well or... Maybe uh, undercut you for a position, or maybe uh, they haven't treated you with the greatest of respect and kindness. Are you seeking peace with them? Are you seeking peace with enemies? That's just not that, that's not okay in America. We we don't seek peace with our enemies. We need to pursue peace, the power of peace. Because he is the Prince of Peace. Because the the Bible here tells us about that. And the last one, I'm going to have DJ and the band come back. The power of peace. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. The kingdom of God is not about talk, it's about power. I think there's a real challenge and and a real difficulty and a real dilemma that I see among Christians And I see oftentimes in the church, that's in general sense. We got a lot of talk, but we don't have a lot of power. Gosh, I can talk a good game. Can I live that out? The kingdom of God is not about our talk. It's about our power. It's not about... How good God is and how we should reconcile with that person and we should, uh, you know, see the dividing walls come down and we should be able to not see each other through the law of of commandment, but through the law of grace. We should be able to become truly one. We should be able to take all of those conflicts to the cross. And we talk and we talk and we talk. 
and we leave and the world goes, they don't have anything different than we do. They just have to go to church for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. I'm not trying to be mean. But I am trying to say, in this particular text, God moved in such a way, he took two enemies, Jews and Greeks, who didn't like each other, who looked down at each other, who criticized each other, who pointed fingers at each other, who had severe conflicts with one another, and he jumped right into the middle of that, and he healed it. And he solved it. Not overnight. It wasn't a light switch. It's taken a long period, uh, period of time. But my friends, it's about the power of peace. And in my life and in so many people I work with, we're robbed of peace. We don't seem to be able to tap into the power of peace. And so I love my Bible because when I read it and I see something like these, I see the seven principles that start with P and I'm going, gosh, I need to camp out there. I need to reunite with the person of peace, more fully understand the purpose of peace, to gain a greater perspective of peace, to yield to and allow the pathway to peace. Go to the place of peace. Continue to pursue peace. And by God's grace, pray for and receive the power of peace. Why are we at this text at this time? Why are you here today? My assumption is God is saying, if you've had a severe conflict with God, with someone else, maybe even yourself. The only way to really get free, the only way really to live that full, meaningful, and abundant life is to tap into and experience and enjoy the power of peace. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today because you knew we needed something that we couldn't acquire on our own, that we couldn't find on our own. And as you guys are just thinking out there, everybody's in a different place in their own spiritual journey. But if you've sensed you've been really lacking peace, if you've been struggling with the wall of separation and self-protection, if somehow peace is not something that has and is transforming your life, and you want me to pray for you that God would touch you with a new grace of peace, with the power of peace, I believe in the privilege and the power of prayer. I, got I believe God will hear and answer our prayers. If you will need that peace, as everybody's just praying, and you want me to pray for you, and I believe God would touch you and answer that, would you just raise your hand? And I, I'm going I'm to pray for you to have renewed peace, and that God would lead you 
into some of these things I've mentioned. Father, you can put your hand down. Father, you know the heart. And, and you know the people that lifted their hands. And Lord, the enemy keeps us at bay and we're, we're ang- anxious or we're frustrated or we're unreconciled because we need greater peace. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, that you'll take this message and let it find its way into their heart, into their mind, and that you'd give them extra grace and extra strength and extra power to find your peace, God. So that we're not held in bondage. We're not held back. We don't live a life less than your best because we never could tap into your peace. So right now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them your peace. You would help them grow in your peace. Last week we talked about it's time to go to work. Well, one of, one of the things that we're supposed to be working on and to take out into our community is an essence of the power of peace that they don't have. And that we need to distribute and that we need to uh, exemplify. So thank you, Lord, for loving us today, for helping us to take a look at your word in a fresh way in regard to the power of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. It's important to praise God in all things. Whether it's hard times, whether it's just times when we're blessed. I love this song so much. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. The streams of abundance flow. Blessed be
And, and blessing. How many of you are uh, proud and glad to be Americans? Amen. Hey, we're going to show one video. I'm not going to come back up. I know you'd be glad of that. One video, then you get, uh, then you can go. Happy Memorial Day. Love you. God bless you. May the power of His peace guide you, guard you, and inspire you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who American heart, and it's time we stand and say. 